Welcome to Bandcamp. My name's Dan. And I'm Jennifer. And this is the podcast where we read banned books to try to find out why they were banned in the first place. And of course, this season, we are reading Harper Lee's awesome, awesome book, To Kill a Mockingbird, 31 chapters in the book. This is chapter 29. And look, we rarely edit the podcast in terms of content, but little bit of a spoiler alert. I guess this whole podcast is a spoiler alert because we're reading the book. But the last chapter ends with a, let's just call him a bad guy. I screw it, it was Bob Ewell. Last chapter ends with Bob Ewell being found dead. Okay, now when Jennifer first read that, we erupted with glee, like literally virtually high-fiving each other. We were saying, yes, 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 he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. And then cooler heads prevailed, and we thought, wait a minute, what are we, are we animals? Why are we so excited? Another human being is dead. Yeah, it's ghoulish. I thought it was over the top. I mean, I'm glad about it, but having a little celebration is another thing. So I want to know, when you heard us say that he died, if you never read the book, and you heard that Bob Ewell died, were you happy? Were, were, would it have been bad if we would have went, if we would have cheered? Because I don't know who else is going to die in this book. There's only a few chapters left. And I want to gauge my excitement level where an enemies die. I think Bob I Yule's the, the top bar on that one. So uh, there's still time for Atticus to turn. And when he turns, it's <laughs> going to be ugly. All right. So with that being said, let's begin chapter 29. Aunt Alexandra got up and reached for the mantelpiece. Mr. Tate rose but she declined assistance. For once in his life, Atticus's instinctive courtesy failed him. He sat where he was. Somehow, I could think of nothing but Mr. Bob Ewell saying he'd get Atticus if it took him the rest of his life. Mr. Ewell almost got him, but it was the last thing he did. Are you sure? Atticus said bleakly. He's dead all right, said Mr. Tate. He's good and dead. He won't hurt those children again. I didn't mean that, Atticus seemed to be talking in his sleep. His age was beginning to show. His one sign of inner turmoil, the strong line of his jaw melted a little. One became aware of telltale creases forming under his ears. One noticed not his jet black hair, but the gray patches growing at his temples. Hadn't we better go to the living room, Aunt Alexandra said at last. If you don't mind, said Mr. Tate, I'd rather us stay in here if it won't hurt Jem any. I want to have a look at his injuries while Scout tells us about it. Is it all right if I leave, she asked. I'm just one person too many in here. I'll be in my room if you want me, Atticus. Aunt Alexandra went to the door, but she stopped and turned. Atticus, I had a feeling about this tonight. I, this is my fault, she began. I should have. Mr. Tate held up his hand. That's a move I always make. <laughs> Stop it right there. <laughs> hand goes up. I thought it'd be funny if, if Heck Tate takes that as an admission of guilt and goes, you're coming with me, <laughs> arrest Aunt Alexandra. You go ahead, Miss Alexandra. I know it's been a shock to you. And don't you fret yourself about anything. Why, if we followed our feelings all the time, we'd be like cats chasing their tails. Miss Scout, see if you can tell us what happened while it's still fresh in your mind. You think you can? Did you see him following you? I went to Atticus and felt his arms go around me. I buried my head in his lap. We started home. I said, Jem, I forgot my shoes. Soon as we started back for him, the lights went out. Jem said I could get him tomorrow. 
Scout, raise up so Mr. Tate can hear you, Atticus said. I crawled into his lap. Then Jem said, hush a minute. I thought he was thinking. He always wants you to hush so he can think. Then he said he heard something. We thought it was Cecil. Cecil? Cecil Jacobs. He scared us once tonight, and we thought it was him again. He had on a sheet. They gave a quarter for the best costume. I don't know who won it. Where were you when you thought it was Cecil? Just a little piece from the schoolhouse. I yelled something at him. You yelled what? Cecil Jacobs is a big fat hen, I think. We didn't Oh, perfect. We had that question in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's confirmed. It's heen <laughs> is hen. We didn't hear nothing. Then Jem yelled hello or something loud enough to wake the dead. Just a minute, Scout, said Mr. Tate. Mr. Finch, did you hear them? Atticus said he didn't. He had the radio on. Aunt Alexandra had hers going in her bedroom. He remembered because she told him to turn his down a bit so she could hear hers. Atticus smiled. I always play a radio too loud. I wonder if the neighbors heard anything, said Mr. Tate. Hmm, which neighbors, I wonder. I doubt it, heck. Most of them listen to their radios or go to bed with the chickens. Maudie Atkinson may have been up, but I doubt it. Go ahead, Scout, said Mr. Tate. Well, after Jem yelled and we walked on, Mr. Tate, I was shut up in my costume, but I could hear it myself then. Footsteps, I mean. They walked when we walked and stopped when we stopped. Jem said he could see me because Mrs. Crenshaw put some kind of shiny paint on my costume. I was a ham. I don't know why that's still funny, but it's still funny. And Jen, because she skipped over this part, where did where did the teacher put the paint? Do you remember? No. On her fat streaks. Right. <laughs> remember? Yes. I can see your fat streaks just fine. <laughs> How's that? Asked Mr. Tate, startled. Atticus described my role to Mr. Tate, plus the construction of my garment. You should have seen her when she came in, he said. It was all crushed to a pulp. Mr. Tate rubbed his chin. I wondered why he had those marks on him. His sleeves were perforated with little holes. There were one or two little puncture marks on his arms to match the holes. Let me see that thing, if you will, sir. Atticus fetched the remains of my costume. Mr. Tate turned it over and bent it around to get an idea of its form or shape. This thing possibly saved her life, he said. Look, you it were did. right. The ham saved her. That's funny. How funny would it be if the military read this? Or our police forces are like, you know, this is nowadays what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like all the military are wearing these ham suits. Don't change it. This works. Trust me. Somebody get the camouflage paint to paint the fat streaks. <laughs> he pointed with a long finger. A shiny clean line stood out on the dull wire. Mr. Bob Yule meant business, Mr. Tate muttered. He was out of his mind, said Atticus. Don't like to contradict you, Mr. Finch. Wasn't crazy, mean as hell. Low down skunk enough liquor in him to make him brave enough to kill children. He'd never have met you face to face. So he literally did try to stab Scout. Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, I think we should put the uh, original celebration back in the end of last episode. <laughs> I mean, what an a-hole. Wow, what a piece of shit. Atticus shook his head. I can't conceive of a man who'd. Mr. Finch, there's just some kind of men you have to shoot before you can say Heidi to them. <laughs> the law, ladies and gentlemen. Even then, they ain't worth the bullet it takes to shoot them. Yule was one of them. Atticus said, 
I thought he got it all out of him the day he threatened me. Even if he hadn't, I thought he'd come after me. He had guts enough to pester a poor colored woman. He had guts enough to pester Judge Taylor when he thought the house was empty. So do you think he'd have met you to your face in daylight? Mr. Tate sighed. We'd better get on. Scout, you heard him behind you. Yes, sir. When we got under the tree. How'd you know you were under the tree? You couldn't see thunder out there. I was barefoot, and Jem says the ground's always cooler under a tree. We'll have to make him a deputy. Go ahead. Then all of a sudden something grabbed me and mashed my costume. I think I ducked on the ground. Heard a tussling under the trees, sort of. They were bamming against the tree, sounded like. Jem found me and started pulling me toward the road some. Mr. Yule yanked him down, I reckon. They tussled some more, and then there was this funny noise. Jem hollered. I stopped. That was Jem's arm. Anyway, Jem hollered, and I didn't hear him anymore, and the next thing, Mr. Yule was trying to squeeze me to death, I reckon. Then somebody yanked Mr. Yule down. Jem must have got up, I guess. That's all I know. And then, Mr. Tate was looking at me sharply. Somebody was staggering around and panting and coughing fit to die. I thought it was Jem at first, but it didn't sound like him, so I went looking for Jem on the ground. I thought Atticus had come to help us and had got wore out. Who was it? Why, there he is, Mr. Tate. He can tell you his name. As I said it, I half pointed to the man in the corner, but brought my arm down quickly lest Atticus reprimand me for pointing. It was impolite to point. He was still leaning against the wall. He had been leaning against the wall when I came into the room. His arms folded across his chest. As I pointed, he brought his arms down and pressed the palms of his hands against the wall. They were white hands, sickly white hands that had never seen the sun. So white they stood out garishly against the dull cream wall in the dim light of Jem's room. I looked from his hands to his sand-stained khaki pants. My eyes traveled up his thin frame to his torn denim shirt. His face was as white as his hands, but for a shadow on his jutting chin. His cheeks were thin to hollowness. His mouth was wide. There were shallow, almost delicate indentations at his temples. And his gray eyes were so colorless, I thought he was blind. His hair was dead and thin, almost feathery on top of his head. When I pointed to him, his palms slipped slightly, leaving greasy sweat streaks on the wall. And he hooked his thumbs in his belt. A strange, small spasm shook him, as if he heard fingernails scrape slate. But as I gazed at him in wonder, the tension slowly drained from his face. His lips parted into a timid smile, and our neighbor's image blurred with my sudden tears. Hey, boo, I said. End of chapter 29. So she knew it was boo? I think she figured it out just here on this last page. Because he's white, he's never... <laughs> Seen he's, the sun, he's sickly. He's one of the underground people. Yes. <laughs> I like it. She finally got to meet Boo Radley. She's always wanted to do that. That is awesome. That it, is awesome. Yeah. So it's confirmed that Boo Radley saved the day. It's confirmed that Yule is dead all right. For what he's how did dead. he's dead? <laughs> you sure? Oh, he's dead. Trust me, he's dead. He's got the eyes bugging out. He's got a kitchen knife in his chest. He's dead, dead, dead. Maybe the book doesn't have a tragic ending, you know? 
What if heck Tate says, I'm just going to sweep this under the rug. It's all fine. <laughs> no one's going to miss this piece of crap. I mean, it's good for everyone. It's good for the town. It's even good for his children. Really. It's sad when you have to say something like that. I mean, it, do you think that is why all of, why it did bring her to tears? Because it's just like all dawning to her. Like we said, you know, the pale oh. skin, the sickly, everything. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? And in a way, she's kind of like, you are Boo Radley. And I was kind of prejudiced in a little way. And, and so it was Jem and Dill that we really, just based on our own whatever, thought you were truly a monster. Yeah. So we prejudged you. And it is just all crashing down on me that you are just a normal guy who, it turns out, saved our lives. It's a good, good, normal guy, you know, like a good person. Yeah. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? There is nothing in this chapter. Number one, it was too short. And there were no problematic points, so... Yeah, only problematic point was the point of that kitchen knife that is <laughs> lodged firmly in the rib cage of one Mr. Bob Ewell. Rest in hell. Jeez. I hate short chapters like this. I, I mean, I want there to be more, and I'm getting truly bummed out that now there are literally two chapters left, and this book is over. Yep, it's waning fast. It's about 14 pages left. Yeah, it's it's going to oh, be wow. fast and approaching here. Wow. So the people who emailed in, nobody commented on any of our, our social media posts, <laughs> but we did get emails, which was nice. And you can email us at pod, P-O-D, at bandcamppodcast.com. And we have decided on book two for Bandcamp, which we are going to start right after this, because this started out, this podcast started out as a little test. Is anyone going to listen to this podcast, a podcast about band books? And you guys have proven that, yeah, people seem to like it. So we are continuing forward. We have picked book two. Jennifer, you can unveil book two. So book two will be Fahrenheit 451, which was the book I was originally thinking of when we came to the idea of this podcast. And I've never and, read it. And it's it's about banning books, right? Yeah, it is about banning books. So relevant, right? Yep. And the first chapter of Fahrenheit 451, we are going to drop on the 4th of July. There's not any you know, special reason behind that. It's just that this year, the 4th of July happens to land on a Tuesday, which is one of our release dates during the week. We release on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, so that is it. I, I do not know a lot about Fahrenheit 451 other than I know it is an amazing story. I just, I can't wait. We're going to do it like we normally do, right? We're just going to go in blind. Neither of us have read the book and we're just going to hit the ground running. Yep. And I am so pumped up about it. What do you think? Same. So with that being said, we'll see you next time. Bye everyone. <laughs>